It's uh, it's different. It's a different car. It's something in the sense of a cuddly toy. And it has a kind of two eyes and nose and a, a mouth kind of a look, a big smile on its face. It was a magnificent car. So it had a personality. It had a face on the front. Like it wasn't just a normal front to a car. It actually looked. It had a character and a face of, of what you could imagine to be either an animal or a person. Cars are cars all over the world. Cars are cars all over the world. Engine in the front, jack in the back. Wheels take the front, pinion and a rack. Cars are cars all over the world. Cars are cars all over the world. The Morris Miner has been described, amongst other things, as a tea cosy on wheels. Whatever it's called, it does seem to have a personality all its own. Perhaps it's something to do with its odd shape. After 35 years of motoring, it's still going strong and has avoided relegation to the museum piece status of the veteran and vintage car. Poor things, they're only allowed out for the occasional rally. Now the Morris is successfully worming its way into the affections of a whole new generation of car owners. One young man, Ian Meldon, found himself so smitten by the May West of the car world that he actually opened a garage to cater exclusively for Morrises, and of course for their owners. One afternoon recently, Ian and I set out for Swords, County Dublin, in a very fetching two-door Morris saloon. Well, this particular Morris Minor that we're going in is probably one of the finest examples of the early split-screen Morris, produced in 1949 and first registered here in Ireland in 1950. You can see its bodywork is in absolutely shining condition. Most of it is original, although it has parts of it have been resprayed. You'll note the indicators are the old semaphore arm type indicators that constantly broke every time you climbed out of the car if you forgot to switch off the indicators. And as we move around to the front, other interesting features of this particular model are the split in the windscreen with the chrome piece down the centre. Is there any reason for that? They weren't able at the time to produce curved glass, so that's why they had to have the split in the windscreen. I see your tax disc is uh, approximately 13 years out of date. Well, it's in the post. (laughs) (laughs) Right, well, now we'll we'll head for Swords, out through Ranelagh, Camden Street, into the centre of the city, cross town to the airport and on out to Swords. Okay, ready for start. First turn of the key and away she goes. Morris Miner was originally, the main man that designed it was Alex Isagonis. He just started his production work, or started his design work, um, just before the Second World War, working for what was then the Nuffield organisation. Um, obviously the war kind of came along then and stopped, production, uh, stopped it before it ever came into production. Um, during the war years they worked on various prototype models and production started in 1949. 
This was with the what is known as the low light model. Uh, it was only available in two door and had a side valve engine in it, which was the old Morris 8 engine. Um, it went along from there. One of the main problems they had at that time, uh, England was very, very uh, anxious for dollar sales and they couldn't sell the car in America with the headlights in the lowered position. And also the American market was um, very anxious for a four-door. So they raised the headlights on the wings to the, the, the one that's more familiarly known. And um, they also brought out at that stage a four-door version. Um, in the low light and in the earlier versions there was, there was only the two models, the two-door saloon and the two-door convertible. And then came along the high light um, four-door saloon. Uh, after that they brought along the Traveller, which is the one commonly known as the Woody. Um, in about, I think it was 1956, they got rid of the split windscreen and came on to the full windscreen. And also around that time they increased the engine power. And this brought on the, this particular model, which is the Morris 1000, which I suppose would be the most commonly seen one. Um, they were assembled here in Ireland by GA Britain of Portobello Bridge, um, I think from about 1950 and started off at a sale price of somewhere about £450 for the basic model. Got myself a Morris Minor 1963 May not be a roller but it's good enough for me You can say it may not be the best set of wheels Some cases, I think that the uh, there was production here slightly after it finished in England. There was still production cars here. In all, it was a um, not a terribly long production run, but but uh, in general, they they reckon there was somewhere around one. Uh, I think it was one million six hundred thousand cars completely of of all models completed, including in that were um, some commercials. This was the van and a pickup version. Um, a peculiar thing that happened towards the very end of its life was that some Morris Minor vans are actually Austin vans. They actually have Austin badges on them and an Austin steering wheel. And um, this was because Austin at that stage had no small van and they, they decided to give them a Morris van and just, just which must have been the original badge engineering that, that we hear so much about now. And um, the cars were very, very popular and sold very, very well. I believe their, their best-selling year was somewhere around 1959, was the, the greatest production year of them. And then, of course, in 59, the same man designed the Mini, and the Mini was more or less in, a, in selling in competition to it, all within the one outfit, so it tended to bring the Morris Minor sales down, and eventually they phased out the Morris Minor in 72. First and only car I've ever owned in my life, and uh, there was a time in my life when I needed a car. It was actually when I was building the house and we needed something to put cement and blocks in. 
and a friend of mine who was buying a boat was getting rid of this, which was a traveller then, and I bought that for £300. And I ran it like that for two or three years, and it gradually disintegrated, and then one fatal evening it was stolen, and the two boys that stole it smashed it up and wrecked it, and somebody offered me 50 quid. So I thought, well, I, I can't take 50 quid for it, so I'll do a lot of work on it, and I'll rebuild it. So I had to start dismantling it completely in order to get at the damage. And when I saw it with the roof off and the windows out and so on like that, I thought, aha, pickup. I like that. I'll do it like a pickup. And uh, at the time I was working in a garage and the little boy that used to go out and get the tea and the sandwiches and everything used to buy me a yoghurt every day. And uh, my favourite flavour of yoghurt was cherry. Cherry. So it was going to be painted cherry red, so we, we call it favourite flavour. It was to do with the yoghurt. Perhaps the most obvious feature is that it's painted a very bright cherry colour and also there are pictures painted on the van. Well, what we're looking at is the two panels on the back. Um, the whole sort of style of the back of the car is metal panels uh, with a timber surround. Or really the structure of the thing is the timber and the metal panels are just infill. So what we're looking at now is the way I did the tailgate, which is the back part of the pickup which drops down is uh, a wooden tailgate with two metal infill panels and it's an advert, advert for my business which is it says artist and sign writer that's what i do for a living both those things and then my name and phone number and a little picture of me in the car because i just wanted to decorate the car a little bit and and, and, and that's the way i did that particular part of it and um, the wheels are outsized, aren't they? They're just a little bit wider than normal, but I think it makes it look fun. It doesn't go any faster because of them, and it doesn't even look as though it does. In fact, it probably goes slower. I can't describe the front yeah. of this car, so you have a go. We did a lot of work on the front. The normal Morris Minor has this kind of smiling grille. You can see there's one here next to us, which you can see, right. and it has this chrome trim and the little Morris Minor badge in the middle, and it has a kind of two eyes and nose and a mouth kind of a look, a big smile on its face. Describe the bonnet to me. Yeah, well, I wanted to put along the side, you see that the bonnet has this huge jelly mold sort of shape, which cars don't have these days, and the whole nice thing about it is that it has that sort of upwardly rising, huge kind of nose on it. And I wanted to put a little mural along each side, which kind of, they're a little bit vague. I wanted them to be a little bit vague. They're just kind of, one has a, a girl looking over into the moon and there's sort of the Irish mountains in the background, that kind of thing, you know, they, 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 they're supposed to be, that's supposed to be the Sugarloaf and the, the Dublin Hills and stuff like that. And on the other side I did this, I think we can walk around and have a look at the other side, it's a very similar thing, but she's looking down there, which that represents kind of, uh, what's those cliffs in Clare called? The Cliffs of Moher. That's right, that's, it represents kind of those. Two of my favourite places in Ireland, you know, when I was going around as a tourist when we first came here. Describe the interior of the car to me. It's a bit like sitting inside a cherry, actually, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, the, I don't. I hope you don't find the red is, is aggressive. People say that red's an aggressive colour. No, it's it's a kind of a warm red, yeah. And uh, I want it to be kind of cosy in the car. Yeah. The pictures. There are actually pictures on the on the upholstery. There's a little uh, tree here on a cliff, and I'm sitting on a. You can't see that now, but I'm sitting on a on a. I think I'm sitting on a snake, yeah, on the back of my seat is a snake, <laughs> and on the back of your seat there is a bird, like a swan. Oh, I can see it. 
It must be the most well-known car in Dublin, really. Do you ever get people saying, oh, you're the guy who owns the Morris, <laughs> that funny Morris? Well, yes, I do. People don't recognise me terribly well. I'm actually very shy when I'm in the car. People point at the car and, like, and I kind of think, oh, they're pointing at me and I sort of hide in the car, you know, and I sort of pull the cap down over my eyes and stuff. So it's, it's a bit embarrassing when people are sort of pointing at you in, in the thing, but they're only pointing at the car. Uh, but the nice thing is that I tend to park it wherever I go, you know, for my work and so on, and it's in town a lot, and it's in town at night, and nobody touched wood, where's well, gives a bit of wood, <laughs> has damaged it yet. People seem to sort of crowd around it, have a look, and leave fingerprints and walk off, and I don't mind polishing off the fingerprints. We're driving now past Connolly Station. Oh, those days it would have been Amien Street Station, I suppose, um, and the driving conditions now are quite different to what they were then, I imagine. There are two lanes of traffic on either side and uh, we're going not very fast. What other cars would have been on the road then, Ian? What would have been our company? Our company would have been a, a selection of Ford, um, Morris 8s, Morris 10s, mainly Ford and Morris, I would suspect. Continental cars weren't all that popular in this country at that time. Of all of those kind of cars that were around then, the Morris has survived, really, but the, the others are pretty rare now, are they? They certainly are. And the reason for this, I think, is that the Morris was designed and built at the, the end of the hand-built car era, where they did apply production line techniques, but they still used high-quality materials. And this, there's no doubt that this has uh, contributed to their durability. Is there a particular kind of Morris Minor owner? It's difficult enough to generalise, but I would say that they seem to be more careful, steadier type of people, not interested in racing around the countryside. A to B, look after their cars, that little bit better than other people do. I I rather like having a Morris Minor, all right. Um, I rather like the the kind of um, I suppose persona that it has, and uh, it has kind of a um, sort of freaky kind of presence. I, yes, I do like them. They attract a lot of attention. Um, in this country, mostly, you need to have a BMW or a Maserati or something very snazzy like that. Whereas a Morris Minor comes along, and once it's very shiny and polished up, people will stand and look at it. And, of course, if you have a convertible or what we call a woody, that's the one with the wood all along the side, it's, uh, it's different. It's a different car. It's something in the sense of a cuddly toy. Everybody always loves cuddly toys, and the Morris has that cuddly-looking feeling, nearly. It was a great car to impress people with, you know, like, um, you know, nobody's ever going to be impressed by you driving around an eight-year-old Ford Escort with rust in the wings and the exhaust trailing on the ground, leaving the trail of sparks, and you're looking like you're on one of those dodger type, type of things. And women too, they were especially impressed, you know, they'd like a lot of style. Um, if you had a BMW or a Morris Minor, that would do. All the rest look much the same. They're all bloody expensive and nobody can remember what you drive. The image of the Morris in the 1950s, I think. I was a mere child in the 50s, I have to point out. So um, I just remember my father complaining about Morrises and people generally regarded them as old ladies' cars or um, rather sort of, I don't know, small people had, had Morris Minors. I don't mean class-wise, but small-minded people and old ladies and vicars, perhaps, that sort of thing. And now, of course, it's, a, you know, as you know, there is a certain sort of, je ne sais quoi, about Morris Minor ownership. It's, um, it's become a 
the Morris has become a sort of cult car. You know that various pop groups, for example, have featured them in their videos. Madness, for example, have used their, their soft top, their tour in their videos. so attracted to Morris Miners? Because when I, went, when I started the trade, started on the motor trade, it was the very first car I worked on and I've been associated with them and, and for a very short time in the actual building of them. Where was that? In Britain's. And the car is uh, practically the last of the hand-built cars. She's, uh, there's practically a stone of lead or, or more. You just body solder melted into the car. So like the, 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 uh, it depend entirely on men's skill to put this together. And if they were, sh should they decide to build a Morris 1000 again, run it on a, on a mass-produced line, they, I don't reckon they'd, have, they'd find a skilled, skilled man to be able to produce it today that they had in those years. Most cars now are, in other words, the designer spent more time on the drawing board, so the car goes together much quicker, and there's less skill required. In actual fact, robots can put the cars together, but there's no way to put a Morris 1000 together because of the, um, of the, the hand finish on it. You had to wait a few years until you got one? Well... It was many years before I got one, I can tell you, and from, from the time I worked there. Um, but I always said they were such a nice car to work on. There was simplicity. Everything was simple, simple on them. Labour-intensive, but simple. Right. You wouldn't need to, it wouldn't strain your mental faculties now beyond our limits when you're trying to uh, carry out repairs. Uh, it, it's something about Morris. I like to have them around the place. There, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a certain amount, element of luck attached to the Morris, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, to me, they're a type of lucky car to have around the garage. Yeah, fully restored, I'd hope to get around the 2,000. That's if I wouldn't part with it. That's not for sale. I've had numerous people. While I was lying at the house, it was continuously people uh, uh, knocking at the door, ringing the bell to know it was the car for sale. Nothing tempted you? No. No. And did they make any offers? Never. I never accepted an offer because it wasn't just for sale. End of story type of thing. You know? how, d how did you get into the Morris Minor refurbishment business? I was looking for something different to do in the motor trade. I wasn't particularly interested in selling cars. I always liked the Morris Miners, and I suppose from experience I knew that the parts were becoming difficult to get in this country. Yet there were still plenty of Morris Miners, and I felt if something wasn't done about it, the time when I did it, that they were just going to become extinct very quickly. When I opened first in July, I was on my own. 
Now we have four people in the workshops, myself mainly in an administrative capacity and uh, two others then who help out part-time. I believe you're repairing Morris by post at the moment. I am indeed. I get quite a lot of correspondence from around the country, from people who ring me and they or write to me and they have a Morris that they want done and they want to know how much it's going to cost. And a lot of these people won't actually drive to Dublin anymore. Either they're too old or their cars are too old, they feel. So we try and discuss the problem over the, either over the phone or by letter or with photographs and what have you. And I'll advise as best I can. And on some occasions I've even travelled 60 and 70 miles to look at cars and to advise on restoration. This has proved to be very helpful both for me and for them. For we have taken cars back from Drogheda, Wicklow, Tipperary, restore them and deliver them back to their owners. And you actually sell cars as well, sell Morris Miners? I don't sell very many Morris Miners. We've been too busy restoring them for, for their owners to, to have enough time to do up ones ourselves and sell them. But some people do come in to me looking to sell them. And I'll keep a list of those, and I'll keep a list of the people who want to buy Morris Miners then and operate a sort of marriage bureau, if you like. The marriage of a Morris Miner and a good owner. That's it. Where did I get it? Um, I got it from a, a lady whom I knew vaguely. I met her on the street one day, and she... I didn't know her very well, but I knew her well enough to stop and say, hello, how are you? And she, um, she said, I'm fine, I'm fine, but I'm a bit worried about my car. So I said, what's your problem? And she said, well, um, next Tuesday is my birthday and I'm getting a brand new Ford Fiesta. So I said, wow, you know, what's the problem? I wouldn't mind having a, a new car for my birthday. Well, she said, you know, I live in that muse in Hatesbury Lane and I just have room for one car in the carport. So I cannot really refuse the Fiesta, but I'm devoted to my Morris. What am I going to do? Do you know anybody who'll give it a good home? I used to call the car Zoo, because it's ZU 6467. And I still actually have it. Like, uh, I have two other ones behind it as well. Again, get back to the ducks up the wall. They're both in, the three of them are in a hedge out in a field just outside Dublin. FFI 905, I couldn't forget it. I bought it from a Tipperary farmer. I remember standing in the middle of a ploughed field and trying to bargain with him. He wanted £100, I offered him 85 And on the basis, I think it was that there was no battery in the car, we settled for 85 and then he gave me a look penny of a fiver back. So I did fairly well out of it. We just got a loan of this car while the company car here was being fixed and uh, I thought, well, it would be very handy and then kind of bought it without thinking too much, really. So it, was, it wasn't a planned kind of thing, it just happened. We're actually getting very near to Noel's house now. Noel has a convertible which you might be interested in seeing. No, this is a really interesting car. Tell me about it. It's a 1962 Minor 1000 Tourer. Now, the, in the, mar the Minor in that period was built in four different models. That was the Saloon, which came in two and four door, and then the Tourer, which is basically a convertible, an open top, but the, the official name for it is a Tourer. And then there was the, the 
estate, which is called the Woody, or the um, that's more or less the, the, the general run of the, the models that came in that time. I like personally the convertible. I, I think it's nice with the open top and get the, get the sun in your hair type of thing. The dash is festooned with little plaques which say things like LMC Veteran and Vintage Rally 1984. Tell me where you picked them up. Well, they are finishers awards for various rallies. The LMC is the Leinster Motor Club. And there's other ones there, the IVVCC, which is the Irish Vintage and Veteran Car Club. That's That one there now is actually for the French trip in, in early this year. And then you've got the IMMOC, which is the Irish Morris Minor Owners Club. And that there, now, that one particularly now is the inaugural run in the 6th of August, 83. That was the first run we had for the Irish Morris Minor Owners Club. Are you a bit of a freak, Noel? You're living practically with your Morris Miners in your living room. Well, it is different. We, you know, I've, I've often said that to Helen, like nobody's ever going to walk in here and say this is the same as so-and-so's house, only they have the telly in the other corner. This is a four and a half thousand square foot warehouse which had offices in it, which I converted the offices then to living accommodation. And the cars, in actual fact, are standing in what normally would be your hallway, which makes it slightly different. Seriously, though, do you think that Morris Minor owners are freaky in some way? No, I wouldn't say so. There's um, most models that were produced in any sort of uh, great numbers have followings you know going way back like to the model t fords the um, little austin sevens the y model fords the side valve fords in the uk for instance they all have their own individual clubs actually most models in the uk have their own individual clubs and um, the morris minor club in great britain has something like seven thousand members worldwide uh, we here now have only 52 but we're starting we're a little over a year old at the moment how intrusive are Morris Miners in your life? You know, they seem to take up a large part of your existence. They do, yes. They, it seems to have taken over in actual fact. Um, as I said, I bought the Morris and I joined the English club just to get um, literature and information. And from it we started the Irish Morris Miner Owners Club. Myself and a chap named David Burke. Um, David is now secretary of the club. Um, as we were talking earlier about younger people being interested in Morris Miners, when we started the club, one of the things we were expecting was lots of little old ladies with um, their Morris Miners. But we were very surprised. It was such a younger group came along and such a young interest in it, right down to very young teenagers. We put an ad in the paper. Um, we had a meeting in the Deer Park Lounge in Slanski. And we were very, very surprised when we drove into the car park to see this kind of virtual sea of Morris Miners, all sorts of shape and colours. Um, and somebody from the Pat Kenny show there to interview us. Although they didn't take us really seriously that night. I think they thought there was some sort of sexual undertones about Morris Miners. Personally, they don't affect me in that way. <laughs> I like them and I'm very fond of them, but not in that particular way. I drove into town one day and there was these three very attractive girls sitting on a little wall where I was parking. And the problem of driving a convertible is that the body tends to sag a little bit when they get a bit rusted underneath. And I felt very swish in my... They said, oh, look at that, you know, and I jumped out and I slammed my passenger door. And as I walked away, I just heard this creaking moan and looked around and the other door on the far side had fallen open. <laughs> I always think the Catholic Church had something to do with designing the Morris Minor. I mean, you're never likely to get up to anything naughty in the car. I mean, there was no reclining seats in the front, and if you tried anything in the back, you were likely to get cramp after about two minutes. I mean, they'd never, certainly never, to my mind, qualify as a passion wagon. 
I suppose to me it's just something that gets me around. Uh, but it has personality, all right. Um, it's a cheap car, and it's heavy. It's called a tank, by my friends. And um, especially when I refer to it as the little car, you know, <laughs> they say, "What do you mean the ta you mean the tank?" Um, it's a very old car. I think of it as a little bit like an old person. You know, it has to be treated with some respect and occasionally gently. Uh, it protests in the morning, it takes a long time to start, but once it starts, it keeps going, more or less. Um, that's it. Young people seem to like the Morris Minor because it has a sort of classless image. It's a, it's never ever had the sort of, um, how should we put it? Um, I think I said macho image. It's never been sold as a, as a young man's car, the sort of car a young man will buy to sort of swish around, you know, his women friends in. Um, it's never had that image at all. So therefore, I think you know, young people of both sexes quite like like the Morris for that reason. It doesn't have that. I mean, macho is really rather out, isn't it nowadays? I think even amongst thinking men, macho is out. Would I be right in saying I think that? So. <laughs> and um, I think this has got something to do with it. I mean, macho is not trendy anyway, put it that way. And um, therefore, anything that isn't macho perhaps has a head start on becoming trendy. And the Morris Minor is definitely not a macho car. I mean, come to the Morris Minor Owners Club and you will not see many macho men there. I came out of a restaurant recently and two men were standing looking at it and they remarked on the split windscreen and asked me how much it was worth and all this. And uh, I said, oh, I thought a few hundred. And they said, well, no, much more, you know, thousand, fifteen hundred, or, or even more. So I thought, well, if somebody came up with, um, you know, BMW and said, would I swap it? I would instantly on the spot. <laughs> but I'm not sure, you know. Uh, it would have to be at the BMW level, I think. Um, well, I suppose the convertible has a sex appeal because you think of the wind blowing in your hair and all this free and young and all the rest of it. But, um, I don't think it's got that much sex appeal, no. <laughs> not really. Not when, the, when the, the rain starts, anyway. No, definitely not when the rain starts. They, it, the convertible, which is what we have, is not very nice then at all. You nearly get drowned in it. Now, what's, what's road handling in this car now compared to its more modern counterparts? There's absolutely no comparison. They're not that comfortable a car to drive on long journeys. They don't really hold the road that terribly well and certainly aren't capable of the high speeds and acceleration of modern cars. Although one of the advertising uh, ploys at the time did, su did suggest that we experienced the breathtaking acceleration <laughs> I suppose when you compared when you compared the Morris in the 50s to what had come before it, it was quite advanced. But it hasn't changed in design since 1950, between 1950 and 1971. Well, is it quite safe to have on the roads nowadays with the kind of driving that we're doing now? Say, uh, we'll, we'll be hitting a dual carriageway past the airport. Oh, it's perfectly safe, provided one realises it's limitations and capabilities and you don't try to exceed those. Nice steady driving. 
I feel is the answer if you're going to drive a Morris Minor. We're not going to get anywhere in a terrible hurry. What about MPG? Very respectful of that department. Throw the odd fibre in the tank and you're good for a week or a fortnight. I would suspect that it does something around 45 miles to the gallon. But it's, uh, it is that light on petrol that I don't even bother checking it. You'll be glad you bought a Morris. Never before in motoring history has a car been so universally acclaimed. It's now better than ever with improved performance and quality first standards of road holding, comfort and roominess. Note the brilliant acceleration and superb hill climbing. See how easily the Morris Minor sustains high cruising speeds. Yes, there's no doubt about it, the Morris Minor is the car for 1950 and at 435 pounds, it's the world's biggest small car buy. No, I hadn't a notion of buying another car. Mine was, was only barely a year old, my own, the one I had, the Mini. So I asked about it and said it had been left in for sale. And I said, it looked so much bigger than mine, I took a fancy to it and I bought it. I, they allowed me so much for my Mini, but I was very pleased with, with the purchase. Never regretted it? Never regretted a minute of it. Well, you know what they say about Morris, Lady Morris Minor drivers, that they sit out in the middle of the road and they block all the traffic up for miles behind them. Do you do that? Oh, no, why should they do that? Well, I think it's... I think it's, it's prejudice to Morris, to ladies, yes. <laughs> Not to mention Morris Minor. No, you never hear of ladies having very uh, big crashes. They might have error of judgment, but never severe crashes or big, big accidents. So you wouldn't go along with that? Oh, not at all, indeed I wouldn't. What sort of a driver are you? I'm reputed to be a very good driver, quiet. I don't exceed the limits. I'm not keen on flying along because I believe that if you're getting somewhere all the time you're in a car. Well, we've been stopped several times by policemen, not, not on account of the car, but usually on searches. And the odd remark has passed, are you selling that? <laughs> <laughs> and what do you say? Certainly not. No, not for any money. The other afternoon we were going out to Tara and we were stopped at the lights at Temple Oak Bridge and a gentleman with a Mercedes opened his window and said, will you swap? I said, no, not for the world. I wouldn't take that thing. <laughs> I see you've got something there in your hands. Well, what, what is it? Oh, it's a very nice Christmas card I got from Mr. Liam Meldon. Uh, he has the Morris Centre, motoring centre for all Morris drivers. And uh, Describe the picture on the front. It, it's a very funny picture. It's a picture of a man driving a Morris and beside him is a deer. And the caption on the card reads, Ever seen an old deer in a Morris? Now, this is in France. There's a Morris Minor being received by the uh, the Lord Mayor of Le Havre. We had they had a civic reception for the Vintage Club. But as you see, the kind of the kind of um, company I was keeping a Bentley and um, Aston, not an Aston Martin, uh, Lagonda. Oh yes. And these were French cars. We met a French club. We met up with one day, and we went off a run with them. Are there any Morris Miners in mainland no. Europe? No, it, very few. And if, it was funny actually to see the response that my car got over there. You know, like, if we go on runs here and all the cars are parked, someone kind of walks in and goes, oh, look at that, oh, look at that, and they go over mine, and they go on the next one, you know? But, like, there, mine got as much attention. 
There's one with the, called the, that's the, the sore paw syndrome. They suffer from a lot. Like one leg breaks off. <laughs> <laughs> it's just lack of maintenance. There's a very flashy one we saw down the country. On Do you get very runs. annoyed when you see people aren't taking care of their Morris Miners? Ah, not particularly, no. I mean, I, I'm not that kind of bad about it, you know? <laughs> you don't report them to the Cruelty to Morris Miners. <laughs> no, we haven't started the Cruelty to Morris Miners League. Um, years ago, when I had the old split screen, the old 55 Morris Minor, myself and th- two friends went into town one evening and we got one of them, convinced one of them to get into the boot and hang his hand draping out underneath the half-closed boot lid and we drove up and down O'Connell Street for about two hours and it was amazing to sit there and look in the mirror at the cars behind and we had the, if you remember in the 60s, the old trench coats were all the fashion and we had the trench coats on with the collars turned up. <laughs> And you'd look in the mirror and see the car behind, like, and they'd be just driving. And then suddenly they'd notice this hand hanging out, so they start pointing at you. We were really disappointed the police never came after us or anything. I'm kind of looking at this traveller, which is exactly the same as mine used to be, the same colour and everything. I'm thinking, this is great, because this is like before and after, you know. And wouldn't it be nice if that person came along, because we could say, oh, ha, look, look at yours and look at mine and so on. And then she came along. And she was kind of like one of those sort of middle class, very well spoken sort of Fina Gale sort of people. I say Fina Gale because she actually had Fina Gale advertising stuff under her arm during the election time. And I said, oh, hello, how are you? And she kind of looked at me in absolute horror. Who's this person? What, what, who's he, what's he speaking to me for? I said, oh, um, I, I just wanted to say hello because I, I have the, the same card. There it is. And she sort of looked and didn't see it. She just looked straight past it and said, oh, where? You know, where is it? Oh, I hope it hasn't been stolen, you know. And I said, no, there it is. And it was literally parked right next to hers. Oh, that. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. And she didn't know what to say. And I said, yes. Oh, well, uh, just to explain, mine used to be exactly like yours. You know, same colour and everything. Same, you know, completely the same. Oh, I hope you're not the person that stole my first one, are you? <laughs> report that the Morris Miner is alive and well and can look forward to a secure future. With any luck it will chug its way into the 21st century where no doubt it will endear itself to a whole new generation of motorists. I once had a car that was more like a home I lived in it loved in it polished its Cars are cars all over the world. Cars are cars all over the world. Cars are cars. 